Welcome to the Rad Agility Podcast, where I will be trying to demystify the agile principles, concepts, and practices using relatable metaphors, examples, and context that aid your understanding, irrespective of your level of agile knowledge. I am Conrad Anonyme, Agile Coach and Transmission Consultant with 20 years experience in the active practice of Agile. You may contact me on conrad at radagility.com and visit our websites www.radagility.com and www.beamagile.com for more information about what we do and how we can help you or your business. So today's podcast is titled Individuals and Interactions Over Processes and Tools and it is the first in the Agile Values or Agile Manifesto series where we look at the four Agile values in each podcast. So, number one, individuals and their interactions over processes and tools. A bit of a prologue here. People build things using machines, procedures, protocols, uh, and tools invented by man to serve the purpose of creating order, faster processing, record keeping, reference, um, and um, productivity, etc. These are usually designed, created, programmed, and controlled by humans. So bearing that in mind as a background, I'm going to tell you a story about two people baking a cake today. So you have an oven or a stove, uh, this cooks the meal. You have a recipe, this tells you the ingredients you need, the ingredients you need quantities, timings, etc. You have the ingredients, this is what the cake consists of. You have a cook plan sheet. Uh, and this is where you, you know, important inf- information is recorded as the meal progresses. The recipe, the oven, the ingredients, the plan sheet, etc., are the tools required for making the cake. Now, the question though is how well is the meal likely to turn out if the cooks simply step up to the tools and start working without a plan? Now imagine this. So cook A's job is to set out the ingredients and prepare the oven. Cook A has to consult the recipe, check that the ingredients are available, purchase them if necessary, and ensure that the work area is clear, uh, the oven works, etc., etc. That's this job. Cook B's job is to measure and mix the ingredients together, having been presented by Cook A, uh, and when ready, put the cake in the oven and monitor it till it's done. Simple enough. Now, though it is not stated in the recipe book, Cook A decides to get a plan sheet to record key information that may aid Cook B during the bake in case he is unsure about cooking temperatures or timings, etc., and also for future reference. Um, having completed um, his, uh, his, his own job, his own tasks, um, Cook A leaves the kitchen 
So he's made a few notes in the uh, plan sheet and has left the kitchen for the sec for cook B to complete the baking of the cake. Um, so cook A is left, but cook A, A has said nothing to cook B about the quick reference guide in the plan sheet that he has put together. Uh, telling him only that the oven is ready upon the timer going off. So off goes the timer and in goes the cake mix by cook B. Who only knows that the cake should be in the oven for 30 minutes, but not but nothing about the intervals for cooking and turning, which has been recorded by Cook A in the plan sheet. But at this time, Cook A, having finished his job, has left the kitchen and adds, in fact, gone out, left the house, gone out for, for the night. So Cook A waits for the 30-minute timer to go and takes the cake out. Only to discover that the cake is cooked on one side but not on the other because he did not follow the care instructions recorded by Cook A. Um, as even though Cook A had recorded them, he had not communicated the importance of consulting the plan sheet to Cook uh, B. The guys, of course, baked the cake using the tools needed and, and provided. They did. But without the interruption, the interaction, sorry, and the communication needed to ensure that the tools were utilized correctly in the bake process, the product turned out substandard in this course's course disappointment. But do notice, of course, that they had, of course, used the tools. The tools were used. But that wasn't enough to give them the desired result, ultimately. So the point is this. The point of this value, of this Agile value, is this, that it's humans who create or build products and services. Humans make these tools as enablers for the purpose of serving them and their needs. Humans are not meant to serve the purposes of the tools. The tools are meant to serve the purposes of the humans. So in other words, the tool, what this is saying is that the tool is a means to an end, not an end in itself. The tools are there to give you the blueprint. However, to turn the blueprint to cake, you need a roadmap. The roadmap will only come by human interactions. Um, by helping you um, formulate uh, a plan of action, relying on each other's experience, intellect, um, and analysis of the changes that occur during the creation of the product or service. So that's it for today. Uh, next podcast, we will be I will be talking about the second value of the Agile Manifesto, which is working applications over comprehensive documentation. Thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed that and see you next week. Goodbye. Hello. Welcome to today's podcast. Today we're going to look at Agile versus Waterfall. What is Agile? What is Waterfall? What are they really? To explain this, I'm going to tell you a story.
and it's a story about two football teams. Once there was a lovely little beautiful isolated coastal village high up in the highlands with no multiple roads and no electric power yet. They had uh, a little but well-stocked general store that supplied all of the village's basic needs. Uh, but the local shopkeeper got supplies once a month from the city, accessible only by an eight-hour return boat ride. This village had only a few comforts, one of them being the two local football teams, the Highlanders and the Hot Sparks. Both teams were very similar in many ways. Being so remote, they only ever competed against each other. But this is how it's always been. The league and champion match and championship matches were always the highlights of the villages here as the tournaments were highly entertaining. Both teams have coaches who themselves come from a lineage of previous coaches. So the coach for the Highland football team is a fourth generation coach while the coach for the, for the Sparks is a fifth generation coach. The Highlands coach was already looking to, looking to retire at the end of the current season after handing over to his son to continue in the family tradition, using the same tried and tested techniques he learned from his father, who learned from his own father and so on, nearly 60 years ago. The same technique has been handed down the line over the decades because it's worked perfectly. The technique both teams use is very similar. The teams had no really defined roles on the pitch apart from you know, the goalkeeper. Um, everyone else could and did play any and all roles interchangeably, with the only emphasis being to score go score more goals than the opponent at the end of the game to emerge victorious. The matches were a hugely entertaining affair for the villagers naturally, whose only experience of football was the games of their local teams, uh, because they were so remote that they had little or no contact with other football teams. Their experience, though great, was one-dimensional due to the very limited exposure to other teams who play a different way and formation, etc. Then a new young village mayor came to office and he was determined to modernize the village. So he managed to secure funding for the building of a new highway and a new bridge and some extra infrastructure. With the new highway, the bridges came and bridges came cars and boats, which made it possible to travel to neighboring communities in an hour or so, creating a link to other towns that prior to that were almost out of reach. Being lovers of football, it was not long before the villagers heard about the exciting and thrilling football teams of their neighboring towns, and with easy travel, they began to attend their matches. These other teams played a different kind of football, though. It looked organized, precise, clear, purposeful. And there were so many goals scored during matches that it thrilled the hell out of the villagers. Soon the villagers began to stop attending the matches of their own teams. They found it rather boring. The short travel and the cheaper match ticket prices was worth the trips to the other tournaments for the value in enjoyment they got out of it. The Highlanders and the Spurs were suddenly facing an unforeseen and expected crisis. Unexpected crisis. Their ways of playing weren't the problem because in all those decades it served them so very well. The threat was from outside. It was the exposure to the other more exciting, more fulfilling, more entertaining style of football which had proved too, too much of a draw for the villagers that was causing these problems. So how did both teams respond to this new threat? Firstly, we'll, we'll look at the response of the Highland football team who had mostly been the champions over time. Uh, they've always been the team to beat. 
they kept their style of play and after all it had worked for them for so long um, and they've been the champions for nearly 45 of those years to get people back to the stadium to watch the matches they did more advertising and offered more incentives like season discounts refreshments and so on they started a new training regime for the players as well in order to increase stamina and physical strength of their players and quite frankly they looked physically impressive and formidable in no time must say now how did the sparks respond the sparks coach decided to retire almost immediately and hand over in support his 21 year old son at this point i need to tell you a bit more about why this uh, sudden and what seems like rash decision was made in the sparks team so paul the new young 21 year old sparks coach was intrigued by why the fortunes had turned so quickly so he had a secret plan he had been secretly attending a few of the matches of the new neighbors to understand why the villagers suddenly preferred those other matches. And he very quickly realized that they had to adapt their approach and style of play or they will die. So he sat his aging dad down and convinced him to bring his retirement forward to allow him to have a go. Luckily, dad agreed because he acknowledged that he was too long in the tooth now anyway. And even though he thought his son's idea was crazy, he had nothing to lose and everything to gain. So Paul, the new Sparks coach, reflected on how he had, on what he had observed in the other teams and set out to experiment with the same on his team. He set to work immediately, replicating as much as possible what he had observed. He realized a few key things very quickly. Clear roles were needed, discipline needed to be enforced, and overall, though he realized that he needed all, uh, overall though, he realized that he needed all the different skills and required to work towards achieving goals in the team. In short, he needed the right people working together always in the same direction all of the time. He also decided that players needed someone in the team during play whom they could look up to and respect uh, to provide guidance and ongoing feedback in the field of play. This person was Gary who was well liked and well respected in the team. He named him the team captain. At the very next match with the Highlanders, they began to test out small elements of their new strategy. Then the coach spent hours immediately after the match with all members of the team reviewing how it all went, what worked well, what didn't work so well, and crucially, collectively decided and agreed how and where to improve and to apply it in the very next game. This became the practice after every match. They soon began to realize that they had begun to dominate the Highlanders at every match, with the goal difference decreasing at an almost uh, exponential rate. They saw that this was because they were being better organized to play collaboratively, passing the ball, specialists in position all the time, and just concentrating on working the ball through the field consistently made them seem like hot knife through butter against the Highlanders who were still playing the same way as they had always played. However, Paul, the coach, and members of and many members of his Spark team noticed changes in the Highlanders team too. The team were getting beefier, the stamina had increased tremendously but the strategy was still the same. This proved totally ineffective against the sleek new style of play that uh, the Sparks now deployed with devastating effect. So what was the result of this new strategy for the Highlanders? They kept losing games to the Sparks even though they worked twice as hard and gave more incentives to their fans to attend matches. Their ticket sales got worse and they were on the brink of bankruptcy. The incentives hadn't worked. Worse, they saw nearly 70% of the supporters switch allegiance to their opponents. Unless something drastic happened, they were dying, they were walking a death match, slow but sure. So what was the Sparks result? 
they had a 95% win rate over their over the other team in the last 20 matches. They experienced a 150% membership and fan growth over 20 matches, as their steady fame attracted the attention of not only the local football fans but also that of neighboring villages, who in many instances left their own local teams um, for the Sparks to watch them because their, their play was so exciting. This made the game, their game always exciting to watch for the fans as they were always new surprises. The Sparks began to play their inter-village league competition because of their success and the style of play which was which always entertained and delighted because of the innovation they brought to every game. They had not only survived but they were thriving more than ever before. Their revenue and fortunes were on the up. So let's wrap this up. The isolation of the village represents a period of little to no competition because the world of business across most areas and fields was largely isolated. Therefore, competition was low and almost languid in nature. The lack of competition also meant that businesses didn't feel the urgency to innovate. Businesses could take their time to innovate over what was essentially an eternity, three to ten years on average back then in some industries. This is the waterfall approach where competition was low and customers rather ignorant, so just easy did it. The village's isolation also meant that they had nothing to compare with as they didn't know any better. This means that in the age of business isolation, the customer was happy with whatever they got as they knew seldom little more than what they, they could get locally. The new road and bridges brought connectivity to the world around them. This new road represents the internet, which also sped up rapid technology changes that truly began to shrink, shrink the world. Exposure to the rest of the world and new technology brought about competition to local business at a rapid pace. The ability to see other matches meant that the villagers, i.e. the average customer, now had the ability to compare the services and products that they had been used to with others. The exciting new style of play by the Sparks came about as a result of a new mindset by the coach of looking at the root cause rather than the symptoms. This caused a new exciting style of play, which once the fans had experienced it meant that they switched their allegiance from their old teams to the new team. Just as customers switch allegiance once they begin to get the same services from other providers faster, cheaper and better. Competition brought immediate pressure to both fo football teams. These teams in this story represent all businesses and professions once the world began to change as a result of the internet and globalization. Once the new roads and bridges were complete, the pace of change increased even more rapidly. The Sparks decided that they needed to reorganize themselves to be more efficient with a focus on end-to-end -end rapid delivery centered on active collaboration and constant inspection and adaptation to help achieve value fast and improve innovation. But crucially, since they were entering uncharted waters, they would do that incrementally and cautiously by constantly inspecting after every match and applying the learning to the very next game. This way, they outpaced their opponents, delighted their fans consistently, improved their game and craftsmanship, and grew their income exponentially. This is the Agile way. And the Agile way has come about as a response to the new challenge of globalization affecting every industry and business where addressing and trying to fix the symptoms of the problem is not sufficient enough to keep you alive and competitive. But understanding the root cause and coming up with an approach of experimenting early, frequently and in small quantities while constantly learning and adapting helps you innovate faster and better while containing risk at the same time. 
Regardless of your terms and jargon you may hear, this is what Agile is. Thank you for listening and see you next week.